it's all my usual basic bitch Austin Wintery answers. Of course. Because I am a basic bitch for Austin Wintery. I was not accusing him of being, sorry. I, <laughs> you are the basic bitch. Yeah, I, I am the bitch. <laughs> I am the bitch. And this, this should be established. That's a perfect soundbite to be the cold open for this episode. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, the first of the year for 2023, and I'm joined in person by Red. Hello, welcome to 2023. So far, a slightly similar to 2021. Getting, but... a, lot of, getting a lot of early 2021 vibes. We woke up this morning to message like, hey, uh, I'm going to blame your Loki pins for the fact that there's another cruise ship in the Suez Canal. They really got to widen that canal, man. I can't believe the writers for this decade already ran out of plot ideas. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, hanging out. Uh, I got to play some board games with friends. Haven't done that in a while, so that was really, really good time. Yeah. Um, we were being extremely responsible and taking negative COVID tests first and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's good. It's like once everyone's like, yeah, I took a test. I'm good. It's like, okay, cool. Let's socialize. Oh and God, like, we can actually, yeah it's, yeah, it's nice time. It's nice to see people again. It really is. It but really also is. the comfort of knowing that we're doing it responsibly is, is very, it's very good. But we, uh, we got videos. We're a YouTube channel. That's our job. <laughs> Um, we've had actually a handful since the last regular episode because we took our little holiday break to do the New Year's podcast. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, we had some, uh, some guys in the back. We had a, uh, a multiverse detail diatribe, which was quite fun. Mm-hmm. Um, back in early, mid-December. Yeah, mid-December, which yeah. is a good one. Uh, yeah, a bit of a detail diatribe. Uh, basically me putting into words uh, why I had been constantly complaining to my friends about like, oh, I can't believe they're introducing a... F- Friggin' multiverse into this thing that we're ah why are they doing this? It's like well what's wrong with it? What's the problem? It's like what's the problem? What is the problem? Hold on. Uh, <laughs> An hour and forty minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, solved that mystery nice, right, and quick. But yeah. uh, it's also been a hot minute, so like yeah. it's not fresh in my mind anymore. No, but it, it was a good episode. Um, and then we had two mainline videos that we'll we'll talk about in a second. But uh, we also uh, are doing a little bit of a different January. Uh, most of the time, you'll see your favorite creators take January off. So we're kind of doing that. Um, <laughs> last Friday, uh, I did a Assassin's Creed 2 stream instead of a mainline video, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun until the internet cut out, which was unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but then over the weekend, uh, we did a Pokemon charity stream. Uh, yeah. It was Cyan's idea. Fantastic stream. Uh, we played through the beginning of Pokemon Violet while raising money for Alice's Kids, which is a wonderful charity. We were able to raise, uh, at time of recording, just a smidge under $10,000, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for, for jumping in on those streams and having a fun time. That was a, a really great little pair of streams. Yeah. Um, mostly the second one, but the, the Assassin's <laughs> Creed one was, was, was fun as well. Adam and I got to hang out yeah. uh, and just talk shit about history. So that was... a. That was a good time. It's always a party, yeah. And the the Pokemon stream was a huge amount of fun. Uh, and Sign hasn't played on streams before. She so. ha- she is not. She she's taken over for me on the controller because I'm stubbornly like no, like I YouTube is my job. You have like a real career. Like I can't make you do my job. And Sign's like, honey, just just let me play. It's it's okay. Like you and Red talk. Yeah. I'll play. We'll have a great time. And exactly that was the case. We had a blast. Uh, <laughs> could possibly play, play video games. Twist my arm, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, and that was uh, that was really fun. So we're gonna do, for the most part, we're gonna try and keep it so that our Friday uploads are like normal, mm-hmm. uh, because that is how we work, and uh, it's why the <laughs> channel is what it is and is as structurally stable as it is. And we don't really want to futz with it too much, but we are going to do one more uh, Friday stream this month, and then probably not for a while. Yeah, and then we'll go back to um, to yeah. our, our typical Friday upload schedule, but just because. Yeah. In January, uh, advertising revenue is lower and everyone's pretty pretty beat up from having worked so hard in the final stretch of the year. So taking it simple, taking it easy. Yeah. But uh, we're going to get back to the normal biz soon enough. But speaking of normal biz, uh, you had quite the banger of a video go up uh, before the end of the year. I did, but didn't your video go up before mine? Actually, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> you'll wait in suspense uh, for that one. But yeah, I had um, uh, a video that was red this was your idea i think a little bit yeah yeah actually yeah i think it was um, yeah it was <laughs> yeah we were discussing different possibilities for what you could do because you um the way we we divvy up uh the different days it was like oh yeah you're gonna you're gonna get christmas eve or, or something like mm-hmm. that and it's like oh what, what should we do it's like oh well you know maybe there's something historical i could discuss and i was like what about saint nick you know the santa guy and you were like 
hmm, hold on. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> like three days later, it's like, okay, there's a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> there um, is one rabbit hole later. <laughs> I've seen through all of time and Santa is everywhere and uh -huh. consistent. The fabric of the universe is woven through Santa, yeah. Um, but that was uh, that was a cool video because I, I I basically set a challenge of myself to make uh, exclusively a two page script. <laughs> Usually when we when we write our scripts single spaced, um, it's like three standard word pages. Um, but I was like, I want this one to be a little shorter, also because I don't really have the time to do a full video. So let me let me challenge myself to try and be as concise as I can. It ended up being a really snappy, fun script that I was really pleased with. I wasn't expecting it to like pop off or anything, but it did very well for itself, which was a, which was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, and it was really solid. Covered a lot of fun ground. It was interesting because you were like, okay, I'm gonna need three chibi heads. I need Saint Nick. I need Sinterklaas, and I need <laughs> Santa. And I was like, all right. Three old white guys it is. <laughs> <laughs> With progressively bushier beards. Yeah, well that was interesting because when you look at the the iconic picture of Saint Nick, you're like, oh, what a what a what an old guy with male pattern baldness, how interesting. But then when I drew him as the chibi, I was like, oh, I see how this turns into Santa. He does have a really good beard. And you slap a hat on there yeah. and everything's fine. It's a so whole vibe. It's a whole vibe. So yeah, that was that was interesting. And uh with all these saint stories, it's always so fun because, like, you get the actual documented biography of their life, and then about... What do you mean, actual? Well, <laughs> you get the sort of documented, he was born at this point, probably. Yeah. Again, it's usually a very small amount of information. And then you get all the stuff that was added on after they became a saint, and it's like, well, okay, all right, so how much of this probably really happened? Well, not that part or this part, but, you know, it's yeah. so cool. It's, no, nice it, it, it's super neat, and then yeah. seeing, like, which parts of the story are so fundamental to the character that they stayed throughout all of the different permutations. So, you know, you have this early stuff of like St. Nicholas and like being a patron of sailors and stuff. And like that kind of turns into the Sinterklaas thing um, with like Santa or, or St. Nick arriving on a boat from Spain. Mm -hmm. um, and this like, even like millennia later, this part of the tradition is stuck around. Like for some reason that was the thing. <laughs> um, but then, like, even now, like, the, the you know, North Pole Santa Claus version, like, still, like, has this very, like, traveler aspect of him, because um, he goes around the whole world. But, like, yeah. seeing, like, which parts of this character are, like, fundamental to, to his being and, and which parts are um, just kind of like, okay, we can drop that part. That's not super <laughs> important. The part where he slapped a heretic, like, that doesn't really factor into Santa Claus's characterization or yeah. motivation. Santa Claus doesn't throw hands outside of the DC universe. Yeah. He's delivering coal <laughs> to dark side, which is a canon thing that happens every Christmas. That's amazing. Yes. I, the one thing I, I, I should say is that um, one of the historical uh, bits that I didn't really get to touch on is that um, the story of St. Nicholas of the Council of Nicaea mm. um he wasn't there. <laughs> Unfortunately, he just wasn't. Uh, in the script, I'm like, yeah, according to some sources, he was at the council, and I, I specifically, like, debunked the punching uh, Arius thing. But the way that the, the sources for the Council of Nicaea worked is that there were about, you know, a gazillion and a half different roll calls, but they cluster into two broad categories. One is a list of, like, the short lists of, like, 200 people who are at the council, and then there are the longer lists of like 300 or more people who are at the council. And St. Nicholas is on about half of the lists, but specifically he's only on the larger lists. He's not on the smaller ones. So what most likely happened is there were some early roll call lists of who was at the Council of Nicaea. And then like, you know, 300 years later, like around the time that um, the Michael, uh, the, the Byzantine scholar was writing the hagiography, right. like people are like, wait, how is St. Nicholas not at the Council of Nicaea? He must have been! And then they put him in, and it's like, okay, well, you made that up. He wasn't actually there. Like, he's on none of the selected <laughs> lists. My guy wasn't at the Council of Nicaea. Um, so it's like, that's, you know, how saint stories work. And there's even some stuff of, like, yeah, the, uh, like, the early saint biography from the 800s pulls a suspicious amount from like earlier folk tales from the region so like mm. maybe all of the stuff that's actually like biographically ascribed to nicholas is just like stories that got looped in from like earlier it's like damn it <laughs> <laughs> but of course i can't get into that in the video because it kills all the fun yeah. so and it's a I'm two like, pager about santa claus yeah. you know we gotta be we gotta be brisk but i i enjoyed it it was nice i specifically did not get into the history of of Svart pete black pete because oh. i just it was too much of a of of a, a minefield to to wade into. Um, it was very funny seeing how some of the comments were arguing with each other. Where some people are like, "Yeah, you know, I'm really glad that we're not like 
weirdly sticking by this, and some people are like, I can't believe that they're trying to get rid of this. Like, ah, uh, here, uh, here we go. So I just correctness gone mad. We're canceling the blackface fairy. <laughs> didn't want to touch it. Didn't want to touch it. Yeah. Um, but it's. Uh, it is interesting to look up. There is a lot of, like, cool cultural change that's happening right now as as Dutch people are trying to be like, how can we keep the fun parts of this character but make it, like, not awful? And the experimentation with that is the kind of stuff that we talk about having happened hundreds or thousands of years ago. But this is a character where we're actually getting to see that right now, which is cool. So yeah. that's, like, still very eh, to, to wade through, but um, it is neat to see that these kinds of processes are often icky and complicated. Um, and that's what makes history and mythology uh, a living thing, is that it is it is forged by the people who tell the stories. So yeah. that is a cool thing. But uh, yeah, speaking of stories and being told, <laughs> uh, of Red! Stories. Yes, yes, the, uh, the, the big finale for 2022 for me was Journey to the West Part 10 uh, the adventure of fighting the six-eared macaque which was a lot of fun uh, because um, as I understand it this dude is a semi-major character in the Lego Monkey Kid cartoon uh, yeah yeah. so there were a lot of people just kind of popping up being like hey can you explain the six-eared macaque I've been seeing a lot of stuff about him but I don't know like anything about him or where he's from and it's like well, uh, yes, yes, I can do that. So, um, uh, this is, uh, this is like classic Journey to the West stuff. It's a random episodic adventure with a really weird gimmick villain. Yeah. Uh, and this one goes all the way to the top, baby. Sometimes Kuan Yin can help, sometimes somebody else can help, but this time they had to go straight to the Buddha. And he was like, oh yeah, it's this guy. This is this weirdo. Uh, <laughs> there's like four of them. I saw a few people in the comments being like, wait a minute, is this where they got the thing with... Raditz just showing up on Earth and being like, Goku, uh, Kakarot, there's actually two other uh, Say, I mean, yeah, Saiyans, uh, there, yeah, there's more, there's four of us total, and we're all weird and from space and have weird powers, um, and you're like the lamest one or something, and the people are like, wait, is that the four spiritual primates? And it's like, yes, yes, yes that is. is the four spiritual primates. That, yeah. I had that same breakdown like two years ago when I made that connection for the first time. Um, yeah, it was fun. Originally, I'd hoped to finish it for, like, mid-December and do something chill for December 30th, but I was like, absolutely not. That's not happening. <laughs> we're going to give myself another two weeks, and we're going to take this a little bit slower. Gretir the Strong exacted his toll. <laughs> yeah. Gretir chewed through my entire buffer and left me scrambling for the final part of the year, which is the reason why we're doing a second stream this month. Classic Gretir move. Classic Gretir uh, move. Yeah, uh, for me, this one was interesting because I actually didn't read the script before mm. it came out. So I was getting the the art panels as you were drawing them, and you said like, and this is where, um, uh, what was it? Was it Kuan Yin who tries the migraine spell for the first time? Yeah, and I'm Kuan like, oh, it. this is gonna reveal him, and you're like, actually, no. <laughs> Smart thinking. Like, damn it. There's a lot of bits of Journey to the West that have been used as like a, a raw material for a lot of modern storytelling and part of what's so surprising about reading it is how much of it is so modern but you also get things that are like the prototype versions of modern tropes because mm -hmm. if this were the modern version the migrant spell would have re revealed him it would have been like yeah. oh that's how we find the fake or like it would have been a piece of information that only he knows but it's like sorry the six-year macaque's um imitation style is perfect and uh he knows everything so you can't do the what would something only he would know uh, trick, which is a shame, and the migrant spell is like, yeah. The funny thing about how you were animating it was that I remember you said you wrote the dialogue with the full intention that you don't know which one is monkey, and you yeah. wrote both of them to say the most monkey thing possible. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I'd write the first monkey's dialogue and be like, this is peak monkey, and then I'd be like, but it's actually the fake, so how would the real monkey respond to it? And it, it was good, because there were people who were like, do you think she's always able to tell which one is which? And it's like, no, no. <laughs> because I didn't want you to be able to tell. Uh, because the number one way to write... Uh, <laughs> The trick to writing a mystery with a solution is that you, the author, need to know the solution the whole time so you don't contradict it or mess it up. But the trick to writing something that the audience cannot figure out is for you to yourself not know the answer. Yeah. And in this case, uh, the whole point is it's an absolutely perfect replication until he's revealed. So that was that was fun. Um, and drawing the monkey fight was my favorite part because it was just constant yelling, but it was just the most monkey thing possible. <laughs> there, there is not a single panel of the fight where they are not talking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a wasted opportunity. I've got two monkeys, two for the price of one. <laughs> 
twice as much chaos as usual. Um, so that was a lot of fun, and I, I had a good time with it. Uh, there were a few points where I got to sort of go in and go a little wild on the background character designs. Uh, the design for uh, Di Ting was really interesting to me because yeah. I was looking him up, and it, there's a lot of... Um, I, there's a lot of Chinese art where it's like, this is clearly supposed to be a lion, but it was sculpted by somebody who's only heard about them by reputation. Uh, so they've got these really scary bug eyes and the huge fangs that curve outward and the and the sort of pebbly mane. And it's like, that's not... Mm, okay, sure. But in this case, it's like, these things supposed to look kind of like a dog with like a unicorn horn. Uh, and it's it, it's a really good listener. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I, I can just go absolutely buck wild with this for the three panels it's on screen. Um, yeah. That's so. a really strong design. <laughs> he looked so cool. Uh, and uh, it was one of those cases where I looked it up and that's how I discovered that somewhere there's a pretty anime boy with that name because he was everywhere in the results. Okay. But uh, this is the case for a lot of Journey to the West tertiary characters. I'll just look it up randomly and it's like, oh, who's this handsome gentleman? But not the thing I'm looking for. That's for darn sure. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, so I had a good time with it, and, uh, people seem to really like it, which is good, you know, Journey to the West is always, uh, it's very strongly demanded, but then it's like, I, I don't, I really hope people actually like it, I don't want to disappoint, and in this one I was like, I think they're gonna like this Oh, one. yeah. The Six-Year Macaque is a classic. Uh, although there were a few people who were like, oh, I wish Monkey hadn't killed the macaque, and it's like, so does the macaque, but like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, we can't all get what we want. Yeah. Look, he's fine to give a personality to because he's a total blank slate character with basically explicitly in the story, no characterization of his own. Uh, but uh, he, he got killed for a reason. There was also I saw this re weirdly popular concept showing up in the comments, which was like, hey, you know, like. There's this, like, theory that actually the true Sun Wukong was the one that was killed and he was replaced by the six-year macaque because the six-year macaque was better behaved and the Buddha, like, conspired to do it. And I'm like, okay, first of all... You're calling the Buddha a liar? First of all, you're calling the Buddha a liar. <laughs> Second of all, the six-year macaque is not better behaved than Sun Wukong. He attacked Tripitaka and stole their shit. Third of all, this is this is one of those crack theories that's like, Oh, what if this fun adventure was actually uh, like a coma dream or something, and the, or the main character's dying, and that's the whole thing. It's like, all right, cool, you've come up with a theory that makes the whole story pointless, that actively undercuts the point of the story, because the, the point of Journey to the West is the slow journey to become a better person, you know, to reach enlightenment. Like, Tripitaka has to slowly become a better person, but so do all of his disciples. It's a metaphor for how in life we all get killed and replaced. Yeah, it's the metaphor that if you don't like your friend, murder them and hire somebody else to pretend to be them. Like, it's just, it's it's a funny haha, -ha, but also it's like, way to miss the point, guys. The true Sun Wukong is the one that we like. <laughs> anyway, so, and people being like, yeah, because after this, Sun Wukong is like, better behaved. It's like, yeah, it's almost like he's undergone character development, <laughs> like is the fucking point. Anyway, so that, I, I get like weirdly heated about this whenever someone's like, what if this ha -ha, funny thing were true that made the whole story pointless? And I'm like, it would suck. That's what would happen if that were true. I, That's I, why the story's not written like that. I, I think there is like a, a difference of kind quite substantially between like modern writing mm. and and just older writing. Not that it's like we, we've elevated or we've digressed, <laughs> but like Older writing is tends it tends to be significantly more concerned with moral takeaway and with mm. a journey so like philosophically charged as Journey to the West. Like the philosophical point is the reason the story exists. Yeah. And the fact that it is also fun yeah. is a bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like modern stories are tends tending to be fun and if they have some deeper philosophical message that's like that's icing okay great mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. with with a story like journey to the west like the philosophical transformation of the characters is the reason the story exists yeah and the whole thing is like it the thing is like when i bring up in the very first video that like this is an allegory each of these characters represents a different component it's like where do you get that idea from? Oh, you know, the chapter titles that say things like the monkey of the mind, the horse of the will, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's very over. It's like Tripitaka falls off the horse because he loses his will to go on, or rather his will to go on loses him because he fell off of it. Uh, or in this case, it's like two minds battle, the true and the false. It's like, yeah, 
Sun Wukong is the true mind. The reason why he is so powerful but so reckless and hard to control is because that's how your brain works. That's what your mind does, especially mine. Inside uh, of you are two monkeys. <laughs> Neither yeah. of them will shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of the vibe. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, maybe maybe you killed the bad mind and replaced it with, with, the, with the more chill mind. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be a really worthwhile story. Anyway. The Soviets are furiously taking notes now. It's it's um, the kind of, like, headcanon that sort of is like, hey, what if this character that you liked and were invested in was not any of the things you actually thought they were? You know, like, what if this character was dead all along? What if this character wasn't real? What if this character was being hallucinated by another character? What if this character was killed and replaced by a doppelganger? It's like, duh. that would suck. That's probably why they didn't do that. So, like... If, if that bugs you as much as it bugs me, don't worry. It's not canon. Sun Wukong is the same all the way through. Buddha is not a weird manipulative liar. <laughs> and the story wouldn't work that way. Anyway, so I had a good time. Except for the people who were like, hey, did you know? It's like, I did know. It's not true. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's my piece, roughly said. I, I, I like the video a lot. There were some really funny lines in this one that, like, when I was watching it, I genuinely started laughing out loud. Like, God damn, good one. Yes. <laughs> yes, nailed um, it. <laughs> I forgot I didn't send you the script for this Yeah, one. I was like, oh, wow, this, this is a big one. Um, yes, it was uh, good. I, I liked it a lot. These videos take a long time. But I, I I hope that people realize they are worth it, and we don't delay them just for just <laughs> yeah. to make people suffer. Yeah, I'm not so, actually doing it out of spite. I just need breaks between them, and then I it, I need to take my time to make them good. So when I posted my Santa video, people are like, "Oh, I wish this was a journey to the West." I'm like, oh. "Buddy, wait like four days. You'll live." But yeah, so that anyway, was that. Yeah. Um, no no plugs for us today. We're just starting a brand new year, and the only really thing to announce is that we will be taking one of our Fridays off to do a, a stream, yeah. uh, which we hope you will enjoy. Uh, it should be a fun one. Yes. Um, Fingers crossed if I get the tech working. But yes, we're excited. And with that, we can hop over to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. This question comes from Queek the Crow, Hunter of Hunters. To both, how did you two first meet and become friends? week two of high school not right? even yeah. um it was because there was a freshman like it wasn't an orientation day but there was like a go to school for a day before school and like go to the cafeteria and hang out oh, and yeah. there was like kind of a pre-existing group of friends that that i'd had from from the years prior a lot of us had been at that school for basically our whole lives mm -hmm. um some of us had joined in a little bit later but like by like late middle school early high school like that first year we had like a group of like four or five of us and I really don't know how it happened I don't remember the day long enough ago but like you found our table by like lunchtime and it yeah. was like oh oh this works perfectly yeah it was a bit of a confusing thing for me too um I I don't know I, I remember there was a lot of like eating kind of outside on the benches yeah. uh, sort oh, of leading great. up to that yeah uh, there was one friend was like, oh man, I like your like coat thing. And I was like, oh, thanks. Um, uh, we were bros for a while. It just sort of happened and none yeah. of us are really sure how. It, it really <laughs> did just sort of happen. Yeah. We just um, kind of clicked. It was, I think the thing is like, I had talked to like sort of everybody in the first couple days. Cause I was warned about that by like the, the, the application, or not the application, the, the admissions people. They were like, okay, most of these kids have been here for a very long time. A lot of them have known each other since they can remember. There are tales of love, hatred, and betrayal that stretch back a decade. Yeah. So your new meet, everyone is going to want to get a sniff of you. <laughs> that was like, all right, cool. Uh, so like everybody was like, hey, you're new. That's cool. I'm this. I'm that. I was like, oh my God, there's so many fucking people. Um, uh, and this, this was the group where I was like, these guys are chill. These guys are cool. And these guys, I sort of can keep talking to after, like, the first couple weeks. And this is settled in. Which might be why, for you, it's, like, day one. And for me, it's, like, by a couple weeks in, I was like, these guys I'm sticking with. Yeah. Because, um, like, there are some of our friends who, like, became, like, the core of our, like, seven or eight person friend group um, by the end of the year. Or by the end of college. Or mm -hmm. end of high school. Jesus Christ. Some of them also kind of were, like, they, they sort of rose up in, in over the course of college. And yeah. like, hey, we're, we're tight now. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you have friend groups and, like, tangential friend groups. Like, people cross over a lot. But, yeah. like, you know, the bounds of... It's a weird thing. But, like, <laughs> there was one of our friends who, like, I remember, like, the day we met him, 
And it was like, aha, <laughs> you're in our group now. Oh, yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. exactly who you're talking exactly. about. The instant vibes. But, like, um, with with Red at the very beginning of the school year, it was a little more of, like, a... Because for me, it was, like, day one was mm-hmm. the first time that I met you. Right. But it was probably, like, a few times before, like, you had sifted, like, our friend group <laughs> through everybody else that you had met. Well, it's interesting because, like, I was sort of on chill terms with a lot of, like, individual people. I mean, you know, our friend group is kind mm-hmm. of, I think, fairly standard in that a lot of us have, like, sort of individual friends who are not really friends with anyone else in the group. And yeah. sort of, like, our friends. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you want to, like, hang out with these guys? It's like, well, I don't really know those guys. What do you mean? Those are my guys. Oh, yeah. wait, yeah, you don't really hang out with those guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but in this case, it was, like... it. You know, when when you're new uh, in a group like that, everyone is sort of like, whoa, Nelly. And then within a week or two, some of them get bored of you and just don't talk to you anymore. It's like, well, I don't want to be the weird person here who's like, hey, best friend, we hung out for 20 minutes on day one. <laughs> Why aren't we talking anymore? So, you know, it's it's it was interesting. Uh, but yeah, so basically day one and just sort of instant vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, well, this next question comes from the Irish Connection to Blue. You are now the doge of an independent Venice. What is the first thing that you do? Is this modern day? Uh, no idea. You were just, and I guess okay. it's up to you it's to interpret it you as you wish. Second thing making cruise ships illegal. The second thing I do after making cruise ships illegal. Okay, hold on. This is re- real life answer, modern day Venice. First thing I do, no cruise ships are allowed inside the lagoon. They have to dock at Choji on the outside and then transfer in if they have stuff that's that important. Um... No, uh, no tourists are allowed to just wander in, take two pictures, maybe buy gelato and leave. <laughs> City pass tickets are 10 euros at least, or it's free if you stay in a hotel for the night. <laughs> Airbnbs are completely banned. Um, and the way to create a long-term population of people when the city has been steadily declining over a long period of time is that you work with the fact that Venice has very good artistic institutions and educational like Ooh. institutions in the city mm. and really try to cultivate a university culture and make it into not, I'm not going to say a college town, but like make it into a place where like, yeah, people who are coming to college would think, Oh, this is the coolest thing. And then you have people come for education and then create a system where there's a subsidized housing where if you studied in Venice, you get to stay for cheaper. So you get people in on the promise of like good education and stuff and like live in Venice for four years. And then when people already like it, it's like, oh, and now you can keep living here. And then you basically created a population of people who would love to live there and are already familiar with it. Mm. Um, uh, because it's hard to just get people to transplant and move because there's not a lot of like, industry in Venice, but as a cultural space, it doesn't need to have an industry. It can still be a lucrative place without that if you cultivate a community of artists and entrepreneurs and educational professionals and scholars and stuff like that. Of course, it's difficult to do that because politics exists. Um, So those would be my first decrees as Doge of a new independent Venice. Um, If I was in like a earlier point in time it depends on when. Um, the one change I would make if I happened to be Doge of Venice in the past is that I would be nicer to the local Greek Orthodox population on Crete <laughs> because, not because I am Greek, but because the fact that Venice treated its colonies kind of badly is why a lot of them were so willing to jump ship to the Ottomans and overthrow or to, to help like knock out the Venetian class in the cities and be like, oh, come on in, Ottomans. Like, yeah, it's like, if if you are nicer to the places that are your colonies and treat them like constituent parts of your state rather than like shitty colonies of people who don't have rights, they're gonna be happier with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that'd probably be the one change I would go back and make. But otherwise, those are my modern changes. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this next question comes from fantasy-obsessed Roman God. To all, what is your go-to thing to listen to while working or studying? Ooh, it rotates. Yeah. yeah. It rotates a lot. Um, uh, I guess recently, my shuffle mix has been a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of the Death Note musical concept album. Okay, but it's uh, great. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. There's a reason why I listen to it so much. Um... I've also got that. Hold on, I need to. I need to get the name of this right. Uh, 
uh, because it's... Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I wanted to do. Please ignore the Markiplier video that's playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching Markiplier before uh, this. I thought I had it. Markiplier is still so good, He's you guys. He's still so good. Like, having, like, grown up in YouTube with Markiplier and, like, you know, first time I watched his stuff was, like, late high school, early college... The man is still bangers only. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's honestly, as, you know, somebody who's been doing this for 10 years, like, it is incredibly inspiring to see somebody else doing the same thing they've been doing for over 10 years and still being really good and not seeming like they're tired of it or selling out or stagnating. Yeah. So he's, anyway, it's, that's not on the point. Uh, Tom <laughs> Cardi's Jurassic Park 12 It's Dino Time YouTube short has been on loop in my head for four weeks now. That's amazing. Yes, so that's yeah. fun. Uh, so that's also been in my shuffle playlist inexplicably along with all the other really good shit. Um Blue, that's, anything uh, you've been uh, listening good. to while you're working? Um, I I mean, it's all my usual basic bitch Austin Wintery answers. Of course. Because I am a basic bitch for Austin Wintery. I was not accusing him of being... Sorry. I, <laughs> you are the basic bitch. Yeah, I, I am the bitch. <laughs> I am the bitch. And this this should be established. Um, that's a Journey, perfect soundbite to be Packless, the cold open for this <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Absolute classics. Sorry, what was that, Indigo? Blue saying I am the bitch is the perfect cold open for this episode if I remove all context from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <God>. uh, <laughs> Found your cold open. Every once in a while we get an episode where it's like, yep, that was it. That was uh, it. Uh, but like those ones, um, if I if I really like don't know what I'm feeling, I will go to a short playlist, let it run out, and then let Spotify roll the dice for me. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just like let's listen to the Mario Galaxy soundtrack and then just see where that takes us. Um, and that's pretty fun. But uh, I'm pretty solidly like instrumental stuff only. I cannot work when there's words in my ear. Yeah. I just, I can't think. I'm too busy listening. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, language processing is like that. If I'm writing, I can't have any background noise. Uh, mm -hmm. But if I'm drawing, then all bets are off. So uh, I do a lot of postmodern jukebox. Uh, I listen to their cover of Genie in a Bottle about probably a hundred times when I was drawing the first <laughs> few chapters of the comic because i was like i gotta get these all finished you know it'll help me focus <laughs> this um uh and the uh oh god uh i've recommended this before uh it's the electric it's electro swing the, final electro, countdown yeah electro yeah. swing final countdown uh it's just so good uh and it is from the channel connor angstrom music so uh, i've already suggested them before but check it out um yeah, I don't know. And then kind of whatever pops up on Shuffle. There's a lot of musicals in there now just because of the Death Note thing. Uh, and also, I occasionally listen through the uh, <laughs> the Count of Monte Cristo musical, uh, <laughs> which has a few bangers in there. So when you put those together, YouTube is like, here, do you want the entirety of the Legally Blonde musical? And I'm like, obviously. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Truly. No, I used to in like college when I would be doing work, uh, kind of same thing with Blue. Like I can't listen to anything with words in it if I'm trying to do anything that requires like concentration on a language. Um, sometimes I would listen to, because I listen to a lot of uh, Taiwanese and Chinese artists, um, because when I was learning Mandarin, I was like, maybe if I listen to the music, it will help me learn it. And what it helped me learn is how to say the lyrics to one song and uh, no other useful text. But it does, because it, it's a different language, kind of like could be background noise. But now 99% of my job is editing audio. Uh, so I'm just listening to the raw, unedited, rolling with difficulty episodes these days. Yeah. <laughs> and really not a lot oh, else. <laughs> one of the uh, One of the weird things with, um, with listening to, to like, like lyrical music like that people sing um <laughs> is that as Cyan and i have been doing ballroom dance for uh now a year and a half we started doing it before the wedding but we stuck with it because it's just really fun yeah. i now whenever i listen to any like popular song in my head i'm like is this a uh okay this isn't a waltz it's not three four time um <laughs> this isn't jazzy not a foxtrot this could be a rumba, maybe a tango. So Sina and I have a playlist called Is This Dot 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 A Tango? Question mark. Because a lot of songs are maybe tangos. <laughs> Ones that you wouldn't expect. Oh, um, yeah. So no, I now whenever like I too... listen to popular songs, not only can I not focus because of the words, I'm like, which dance would this be? <laughs> like, is this a samba? <laughs> yeah, I feel like on the rare occasions where I am also not editing audio and working and I want some background noise, I watch like infinite episodes of a really mediocre tv show as opposed to listening to music oh well i mean if we're expanding into background noise uh, <laughs> uh the what the like the at this point 20 hour quinson reviews saga of uh iCarly victorious and now sam and cat 
that's been go-to. Uh, the H-Bomber Guy video about the Roblox oof sound is at this point my comfort watch at a brisk two hours. Um, <laughs> Opens up a single thing of yogurt. Yeah, I got time. Yeah. And uh, Bobby Broccoli, uh, who does videos about uh, like like fraud and drama in the science community, which you wouldn't think there would be much, I guess, if you don't know much about scientists. But, oh, baby, there's a lot. Uh, the, the man who tried to fake an element is one I watched recently, and it's rough in a, in a very weird way. It's, it's <laughs> like, this fills me with so much righteous fury. Not since the Rosalind Franklin thing have I been so tilted about scientific <laughs> discoveries. Anyway. Yeah, I think the long and short of it is we listen to an extremely wide variety of things in the background while working. It's just whatever works for you. It's kind of yep. <laughs> wherever the yep. brain takes you that day. <laughs> wherever the brain takes you. I also am one of like probably five people remaining on Earth who likes ASMR. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Most of the stuff out there, fucking awful. Horrible. <laughs> because people got into it late and didn't realize how it actually works. So it's like, well, I'm going to put my entire boobs out and then make weird <laughs> slurping sounds. And then that's relaxing. Right? It's like, no. <laughs> There are like eight people who actually do this thing right. (laughs) And I have the people I'm subscribed to (laughs) and no one else. (laughs) No one else do I trust to do this. Because every time I'm like, I'm going to take a chance. I'm like, nope, wrong. It was wrong. No one knows how to be relaxing except these eight people I'm subscribed to. I feel like what you found is the that the within the Venn diagram of ASMR, there's a smaller Venn diagram of porn ASMR, and you're like, yeah. well, that's not for no, me. No, no, there's <laughs> a larger there. Venn diagram of porn ASMR and a smaller Venn diagram of actual relaxing ASMR. What's in the overlap between those two things? Um, ASMR? No, I Oh, I guess good porn ASMR. <laughs> no, no. But logical. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a large circle. And then a smaller circle off to the side. Oh, that's unfortunate. You want symmetry when you're going for... You know what? I'm going to no, stop we're talking. Done. We're done. <laughs> so this next question so, comes yeah. from Why Do I Exist? Uh, she read, which god do you feel is the most fun to draw? Ooh. Ooh. Does monkey count? I'm going to say, he's like, the mythical fun. figures can also count. Like, if you know, yeah. did, like, a myth or a saga. You know, he's probably the most fun because he's just so... He's a shapeshifter. I can cheat however I want with his proportions. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he's he's definitely. I think he's my number one for how much fun I have with posing him because he's so dynamic and he's usually making a really overblown facial expression. Uh, and I can do all kinds of weird stuff with his eyes, depending because I decided they're like cat eyes, even though they shouldn't be. It's just more fun that way for me. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty easy. Although, you know, there are ones that are, like, rare treats that I don't get to draw very often. Like, Thor is always fun because I give him the big fur cape and the big hair, so yeah. he's just a big fur ball. Um, he's just a poof. He's just a poof. He's got, got big <laughs> Trevor Belmont season one energy. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah, I, I do think um, a testament to, to Monkey is that uh, after your most recent Journey to the West episode, a bunch of people were posting, like, their favorite screen caps, and there was one post that was like, here are just the best monkey expressions from this episode, and I don't think any other character has gotten that treatment. My favorite one was one where he's smiling, and the caption is, just off screen from this cut, he's holding a severed head, and monkey's, like, the biggest beaming <laughs> smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, by the way, I'm not showing it, because, uh, yeah, but monkey is holding a severed head in this image. It was incredibly, it was clean, there was nothing on it. it anyway, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's the easy win. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. The Greek gods are fun. Uh, I, I do have fun drawing, like, like Hermes has the same facial expression mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Dionysus, I like putting in the background of shots because he's either drunk or hungover, and that's just a yeah. funny reaction to have yeah. to whatever's going on. But, um, yeah, 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 summer fun. Nice. Well, this next question comes from Ace of Flames. Uh, if you could be in any of the tropes you've talked about, which one would you want to be in? So if you're, you're in... experiencing a trope, I guess... In any of the tropes. Uh, yeah, that's a weird one. Um, <laughs> well, let me just pull the like, list. Does this mean that we would want to be either in story structures or to be character archetypes? Mm, yes. Because there are implications to the phrasing of this question. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, deus ex machinas. I stand the best oh. chance of surviving oh, yeah. in a deus ex machina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The universe itself will contort itself around me to make me. Well, you don't want to be a mentor. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Yeah, I, I don't really want to take my chances being in trope talk tragedy. Yeah, or doomed heroes. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind conservation of ninjutsu because that I stand a good chance of having a fun Jackie Chan style fight scene if, if that was the case. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, most of the obvious bad ones are obviously bad, so... Uh... Uh, as the uh, b- bad boy of streams, obviously I will be in Trope Talk Lancers. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, classic, yeah. classic, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Gotta practice your father should have chosen me. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, you get dropped into Trope Talk Conservation of Ninjutsu, and then, like, you have, like, a weapon wheel, but it's different, like, household objects. <laughs> it's like, okay, I can either pick a soup ladle, or a ring light, yeah. or... <laughs> it's real Henry Stickman energy. Yeah. Um. I feel like magical but... other worlds could be fun, too, if we consider, like, yeah. that's in terms of being in a trope that has been talked Do about. Do you want talks. to be isekai? Being isekai it's real hit or miss. It depends. I feel like I've, we've had this conversation. Isekais peaked in the nineties when they were a shoujo genre, when it would be like, I'm just an ordinary schoolgirl, but now I'm in a world of magic and wonder with these hunky anime boys and all my <laughs> feelings about what it means to become a woman. And now Isekai is like, I'm going to invade and colonize the <laughs> land of big tittied elf women and marry their queen. <laughs> I have a harem by episode five. <laughs> episode five is generous. <laughs> just like, that, nope, I'm not going to finish that one either. <laughs> I don't even know where you're going. Next question. <laughs> all right, well, this Indigo, next question. take us along. <laughs> this next question comes from DragonKid106. To all, what's your favorite dessert? Oh, it's cruel. I like a baklava. <clears throat> uh, it's what I, I was capable of saying that word without my voice crunching. Uh, no, I like a baklava. I'm in charge of making it every Easter for my family. I've got it down to a science. Um, I have a book called The Art of Greek Cookery that has six different recipes for baklava in it. And one night in college, my friends and I, uh, a friend of mine and I made every single version of it and taste tested them all to see which one was the best. And the answer is that it's the filling from one with the layering amount from the other and the syrup from a third. And then you bake it for the time (laughs) of the fourth. So now I've got the perfect recipe. And I do like I feel a lot of pride about this. It's like, we have the perfect baklava recipe to, to like, outcompete them all. There are now seven baklava recipes. <laughs> it's like the XKCD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Now N plus one baklava. It's my oh. most, like, old Greek lady trope in that yeah. I, I, can, I feel very strongly that my baklava is the best baklava. The, Indigo, I think you're touching on something important there. This is a question that someone should ask for a future episode. What is our, what is our most old person character Yes. Trope? So I'm like, what is my old Greek lady trope? And I'll need what to think about most, that one. What is your most, like, Greek Yaya uh, trope? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but for my favorite dessert, probably not my, like, my favorite thing, because, like, I love, like, a very decadent dessert, like, on the occasions. But, mm-hmm. like, I would not have that at home. Like, if I have more than four Oreos in a sitting, my tummy hurts. Oh. That's what it, you and I are that's very what it means people. to have, like, <laughs> like digestional, <laughs> yes. like, chronic illnesses. Um, I'll, eat I'll eat them in your honor. <laughs> thanks, Mediterranean genetics. Love you. Um, but I, like, a dessert that I feel like is not very common uh in in its consumption thereof uh like a glass of chocolate milk if i've had like a big dinner (laughs) and i just it's like who goes to that nowadays no one but it's actually really nice just like a nice chocolate milk it doesn't take up too much stomach space then you can be off the bed what's my most old person trait my most (laughs) blue's most old person trait confirmed is thinking one glass of chocolate milk counts as a dessert it's if i'm full and i want something nice but don't want my stomach to hurt i buy chocolate milk because i'm an adult and i'm allowed to make that decision it's not a dessert it's a nice thing that I like, but it's fine. I respect you anyway. I, well, um, I don't. You know, I don't old person trait is a trait that is also possibly interchangeable with a five-year-old trait. Mm-hmm. That's the key because a lot of those like really old people traits are also like five-year-old. I don't things. know any uh, five-year-olds that get overly competitive about their baklava recipe, but go off, That's I guess. Um, so I am one hundred percent a dessert person. I'm the most dessert happy person I know. Multiple people I know have commented on how much dessert I order, and this is always because I'm on vacation when I'm hanging out with them, and therefore eating more dessert than average, but they always feel the need to be like, oh man, so much dessert. Yeah, sorry I enjoy sweet things, aka the taste of good. Anyway, uh, so I have a lot of desserts that I love. Uh, the the most like over-the-top one is definitely, like a really good like chocolate fudge sundae mm-hmm. is like, that's... If I have like nothing else in my body, then it's like, yes, that's, that's gonna be it. Um, 
uh, key lime pie was my go-to Ooh, for a while. Yeah. Just because it, it was, there are a lot of foods where like I, I'm very attached to them because I initially didn't think I would like them. And then when I tried it, I was like, oh, this is great actually. So it's like, it's the positive uh, expectation. But I actually think just across the board, my favorite like thing that I, I've had the best experience with overall is a tartufo which is a, a hard chocolate shell on a ball of ice cream. Yeah. Uh, and it's like vanilla and chocolate and like there's little bits of maraschino cherry in there sometimes. It's a big New York thing. And they're just so good. And I have them so rarely. But man, it's like one of those like um like the, the Dove Bar ice cream bars on a stick where they have mm. that hard chocolate shell. Those are so good. And it's basically just like that, but spherical. So and fancy and fancy yes yeah, yeah. yeah. it's called a tartufo for crying out loud of course it's tartufo. fancy tartufo anyway excellent yeah. uh, well this next question comes from Quetzalcoatl was there a time you relied on the other to do research for you and if so why yes uh, yeah. for the Trojan War video um, uh, you were the one compiling basically all the sources I needed for like this part covered this this part covered that this writer covered that. Uh, and you sent me a list and a bunch of book covers. You, I think you're being generous. Oh. Um, I got you started and you filled out a lot of the ones that I didn't mention. Ah, that's So true. I got you like, okay, so like there's the Iliad and the Odyssey, obviously after that's the Aeneid and the middle is like, here are the books of the epic cycle. Mm -hmm. And then you found like, okay, well this story is mentioned in like Fabulous's or Hygienus's uh, Fabulae yeah. or like the Pseudopolidorus's Bibliotheca. So like you got all of those, but like mm -hmm. I, I gave you like, here's the rundown of like what happens where in the original epic cycle. Right. And you gave um, me Quintus of Smyrna too, because I yeah, didn't know about that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, post-America. Yeah. So I was like, these ones are lost, but you can find the, 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 the soft copy. Here, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the most recent time that I dove into um, stuff that you're able to help me with. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen as much the other way because I'm not a history person. I do I feel try. like though it just, it's a testament to how much like you guys are able to cover each other's kind of blind spots. Like if yeah. you each have a video that's maybe coming into like the territory of what the other is more of an expert in, you can kind of cross over and help each other. And that's, mm -hmm. it's neat. It's neat when it yeah. happens. <laughs> Get a little yeah, no, it's fun. Channel synergy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually, I use some of your, I use some of your old notes um, from the, uh, uh, for my work on the uh, St. Nicholas video. Oh um, yeah. It was, it was where I like started like, okay, so like, what things do I need? What things do I not want to tread again in, in this video? Because Red's already done it. Mm -hmm. um, so that helped me with a springboard. Um, also, uh, a lot of your stuff helped me when I was doing the, uh, ah, God, what's the, it's not the Minoans, it's the Mycenaeans. Mm. Um, a lot of your early notes on a video topic for later ah. ended up being helpful as I was getting uh, a start on some of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, not to, <laughs> not to tell on myself, but a large amount of, um, it, but this is way back when. Yeah, I see, I see Cleo. Cleo's gargoyling <laughs> in the background. It's perfectly nice. in the frame. Uh, beautiful. Um, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> ye, ye oldie. Africa video was in large part because of a class I was taking at the time uh, and just all of my notes got shoved onto your desk for that. <laughs> so uh, if there's a problem in there, you can blame me or by extension that one class I was in. Uh, but is that one in the bad history playlist? It is. Okay. It is. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, uh, it was years back at this point. Yeah, uh, it's it, been a while since a like a, a class got me whipped up into a righteous fury that I was like, we need to make a slightly poorly thought out video about this stat. Um, yeah, I, I think we've gotten a lot better at like, it. It is more often that we discuss things back and forth and help figure stuff out mm -hmm. through the process of discussing it, rather than it's like. I ask for Red to descend from on high and tell me about the gods for the, yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's usually much more of a collaborative yeah. process where like we both use our, our overlapping ambient knowledge of world culture rather than like, Red help, I need thing, yes. <laughs> please provide. I need five thing. pages on this on my desk by Monday. Yeah, yeah none of that. Nice. So that's good. Um, good. Well, we've got time for one last question here today. This one comes from Odds to Oh, wait, Roman numerals. Uh, V1, VI. Six. Six. Yes. Ot six. <laughs> I hope that's right. And if it's not, never know. Uh, to all, what is your favorite way to eat potatoes? I'm very hungry. I'm going to make dinner. Mashed. <laughs> mashed. Mashed, mashed with a lot of butter. Yeah. yeah. French fries are good too, but mashed French with a lot of butter. Good. Mashed slaps. Yeah. They're but so it needs good. to be like the right texture because sometimes mm -hmm. people make mashed potatoes like too runny or too yeah. starchy. No, 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 no. But like just that, like that perfect, like it's creamy and it's like solid, like you could sculpt with it and it would sit no. there. Yeah. 
I want to shout out um, potatoes in like a mala broth at Hot Pot. Also very excellent. It just soaks that right on up. Um, but you got to go with you guys. Mashed is 100% the optimal yeah. potato delivery there, system. There are a lot of different ways to do mashed potatoes well, uh, where it's like you can have like very whipped potatoes. Mm. Uh, you can also have mashed potatoes that have like more like potato or like potato skins. Um, oh, where yeah, you have potatoes, yeah, smashed yeah. potatoes where it's a little uh, a little less whipped but you have more more texture also valid it depends on what you're pairing it with um, mm. and that really is the key but generally it's hard to go wrong with with good mashed potatoes yeah yeah can't be beat I've got a full can on me right now I'm sorry if I'm not weighing in on the mashed potato situation <laughs> as much as I could be <laughs> sometimes you don't Cleo have hard hitting potato experiences. <laughs> She's never given me the lap cat treatment before. This is such a magical moment for me. Sorry, podcast is over. We're too engrossed by cat. <laughs> uh, sorry, Indigo, what was your question? Favorite potato experiences? I was just seeing if Fred had any follow-up potato experiences, but I, the cat distraction is, of course, much more important. Um, this and we this are... sounds like like a premise for like some really shitty but like really bougie restaurant in New York. It's like, no, this is a potato experience. <laughs> potato experience. <laughs> or L.A., <laughs> either one. <laughs> This could really? easily be a California thing. Yeah. I mean, I also like a good French fry, but like mashed is the best. Yeah. Mm. Well, that is bringing us to about time on the podcast. So Red, if you think you could power through the cat on your lap to give us the outro, we're ready. You think you can help me out with this, Cleo? You no. think your beans can assist me? Like, she's shut so, up and pet me. <laughs> she is full of bees right now. She's buzzing away like, oh, there's 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 sharp things happening. She's a whole hive. <laughs> sharp things are happening right now. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks, as per the usual, with another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, discussing whatever our next two videos are going to be. That's sharp. Okay, thank you, Cleo. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys heard it here first. Cleo's got a thing about feet that we're not going to go into detail about, but... um, um <laughs> I've, been, I've taken to calling her your little weirdo when she gets a little too close to the toes. Anyway, uh, I think we've basically covered our bases. Yeah, yeah. no, pretty yeah. solidly. Perfect. Um, um, well, in that case, uh, I've been red. I've been blue. And this has been an overly sarcastic podcast, hasn't it, Cleo? Hasn't it? She's so fucking cute right now. You guys <laughs> better be jealous of me. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on January 25th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.